Welcome to Material Podcast, a show about the Google and Android universe. Hosted on the Relay FM network, this episode of Material is brought to you by Dropbox. Designers around the world use Dropbox to work the way they want on any file with anyone from anywhere. Dropbox, all yours. And one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian. And joining me as always, my wonderful co-hosts, Russell Ivanovich and Andy Anako. And we have a super, super special show for you today. We have uh, Vice Google's Vice President of Design, Matias Duarte. Yeah, we do. And I'm so excited, Yasmin. Um, we, we got to sit down with Matthias for um, 30 minutes. We got to, to ask him a few questions. And I think there were was, there was some really interesting things that, that came out of that. So You, you did, see, you know, I, I don't know whether you're using a Logitech camera with one of those special plugins, but I really thought I saw like little stars and hearts floating <laughs> above your head. Fortunately, you turned that off before the before the video went live with Matthias, but <laughs> but you could see it. Yes, I I was totally fangirling. I was like, oh my gosh, Vice President of Design at Google is here, and I'm talking to him. It was it was it was a wonderful moment. Um, yeah, this is probably going to go down in history as like one of the coolest uh, moments of my life. Like, hey, Yasmin, what were you doing December first, uh, 20, 2015? I was going to say twenty fourteen. No, twenty fifteen. Uh, I just I just introverted <laughs> Matthias and I mistaked <laughs> I said his name wrong and he corrected me in the first uh, beginning of the interview. <laughs> uh, that was my one of my favorite parts. That was no, it was that was, it was it'll also give us you know that the that wonderful new uh, it, we would need to rewrite like the, the show description for the for the entire series because we, we don't have to make it a long list. We could say oh, of course we've 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 interviewed such incredible luminaries as uh, Google Vice President of Design Matthias Duarte and let's not fill in the rest of the list let's, let's just imply that we have both ceos and <laughs> we've got we've got this is this is the latest in a long list of very very good gets we've got uh, from inside of google and fortunately i i would like to think that this demonstrates that we didn't embarrass ourselves or google enough in the first two or three <laughs> to get them to shut to stop answering our email or they don't so, listen to our podcast what, here's, one here's or the other I think they're they're hoping for a Peter principle. They'll, they'll keep letting us have book larger and larger guests until we find our own level of giddiness and incompetence. How far? Would... So you've got you've got like a billion dollars. Like, what's the first thing you do once you realize you got a billion dollars? Like, what what kind of shoes are you wearing right now? How much do your shoes cost? I got to bet with Yasmin. I bet they're like eight million dollar shoes. If, 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 I bet they're like if, Winston Churchill used to own these shoes. Rich people drive Teslas. What a what a mega rich people drive. We need to know. Yeah, thank you. Actually, we're we're, we're out of time. I think we're going to have to cut this short. Uh, Please don't ask well, us ever again to be. <laughs> Google Google does keep creating new CEOs. You know, they got the alphabet thing and they've split out, and now they've got more CEOs than they've ever had before. So we got a long list of people to get through. Yes. This, this will be like on the old Colbert show. Better know a better know a CEO. We'll try to get to each one of the four hundred thirty one. <laughs> Google CEOs. Sundar, you're next. Alphabet if you're CEOs. listening, we're coming yeah, we're for you. Coming for you. That, that, that <laughs> shouldn't sound a like a threat. But I, <laughs> I, I have to tell you, listeners, something because this is, I wanted to know how special this moment was for me because uh, I remember in 2014 of Google I.O. when the material design was announced and I was sitting at the edge of my seat and I was Chromecasting the, li- the live keynote and uh, I, Brussels was probably at the keynote. But well, you, didn't, you didn't get to go? I didn't oh, get to go. Shame, Sorry. Yes, that's a shame. So I was sitting, I was sitting at home and I was Chromecasting it on like my living room and I had like my, my laptop out and I was just like in this live chat room talking about material design because I was just so excited that it seemed like, you know, Google 
has finally got it. Like they have created something beautiful and amazing in the design realm. And that's the moment that I vowed to myself. I said, I'm going to go to Google I.O. one of these years. Like that is on my bucket list. I'm going to make it happen. Next year, 2015, I was able to go to Google I.O., um, you know, connected with some amazing people. That's where I met Russell. And then a couple months later, you know, we started Material Podcast. And then a couple months later after that, I get to interview Matias Duarte. <laughs> I can't say his name. Matias Duarte. Um, and he's kind of the, the one that sparked this uh, passion in me even more so for Google. And so it's... Uh, so being able to interview him and just asking him these questions, it was a, it was a really special uh, special moment for me. So yes, when uh, Andy was joking about all the hearts and stars that were coming out of my head, no, that is that is true. I think I had like this grin that I just you couldn't yeah. wipe off my face. I was like, oh my gosh, she's right here. <laughs> It was. It was. I, I. I hope that doesn't come across as being as as, as being mean spirited. It really was delightful to see how much you were enjoying that interview. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. We, we, we record. We record this as audio, but for purposes of maintaining a good conversation, we can see each other on Skype. And it was like I kind of. I have a couple questions I want to ask, but I really want to see. How much, I'm not enjoying this nearly. I'm enjoying this a lot. I'm not enjoying this half as much as Yasmin is. I, mean, I felt like I was having that moment. I'm like, I'll have what she's having, please. <laughs> Come on, Google and design like together in one. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, uh, it was great. And, and our show is called Material, so it's, it's, exactly. it's only fitting that we finally have the. I don't know what the proper title is. The father of Material Design. You know, the only question we for we forgot to ask is, Matthias, what do you think of our uh, artwork? Material podcast artwork. Uh, I'm kind of glad we didn't ask that. <laughs> well, no, but we we I, I did explicitly say that we stole uh, part of the de, part of the design concept and the name, and did not receive a verbal objection. So I think this means that legally we've got the rights to to material. And there's nothing currently in my email, so I think we're good. There, there's a rule. There's a law, isn't there? If they have one hour to object, and if that doesn't happen, it's, it belongs to us now. <laughs> I think we're in the clear. I, I I I think that we can start pressing our luck with this. I think we our, our t-shirt design should be. Although he also gave she us a good idea for a t-shirt. Oh, I'm going to have to pull so. that quote out. That's uh that's going to uh, have to go there, on the t-shirt. There's so many wonderful quotes, listeners. You are in for a treat. I am so excited for you to listen to this uh, interview with Matias Duarte. But first, a message from Dropbox, our sponsor. No matter what you make, whether you're sketching, kerning, or coding it, Dropbox gives you the freedom to work on any file with anyone from anywhere. Because when people can work the way they want, the more they'll get inspired, the more they'll want to create, the more they'll share, and the world will be full of more interesting things. Your work, your team, your way. Dropbox, all yours. Welcome to Material Podcast, a show about the Google and Android universe. I'm one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian, and joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, Russell Ivanovich. Hey, hey. And Andy Anako. Yo. And we're thrilled to be joined today by Matias Duarte, Google's Vice President of Design. Matias, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been over a year since material design was first unveiled at Google I.O. 2014. I can remember that moment so vividly as I was on the edge of my couch watching all those beautiful animations. And I remember the days that followed. People were trying to answer, what is material design? Some called it a visual language, others a design system. Matthias, what is material design and what does it mean to you? <laughs> we have to shoot a whole video about this because it's such a complicated topic. But I think the, the easiest way to describe it is um, a universal design system. Uh, we're trying very hard to create a design system 
that is both complete in terms of not just being about the visuals or the graphics or, or brand usage, but deeply considers the topics of motion, the topics of interaction, and also that it's opinionated and driven not by styles or fashions, uh, but fundamentally by what we know about cognitive science and human psychology and human factors. What was the first real signature element to come out? Because I, I love the use of color. I love the how the fact that you have this simple round button that shows up everywhere. Was there one visual element that really started to unlock everything for new ideas for the design? Yeah, actually, the 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 first element to come together there was a few things that ended up as kind of like visual hallmarks the um the elevated surfaces and the circular wipes the the circular um primary action button or or, or fab um the colors um but the first one that actually developed through the course of the project was the idea of of elevation and using these not rectilinear transitions to do elevation. We had, um, we had started the project with the idea of, of trying to have a metaphor about the, the nature of the digital surfaces that we were interacting with under the glass to try to give a, a character and a backstory, if you will, to the pixels to give a unifying rationale for why we made certain design decisions, why things moved in, in particular ways. And so there was this idea of what is the, the, the living nature of these pixels? You know, what if uh, instead of them just being pixels that were driven by this array, each one of them was um, alive, almost a little nanomachine that had character that could change color and could change elevation and could change surface and shape. And there was a number of different like visualizations that we explored in that. Um, but when we started seeing some of these transformations where you would you would have a touch ripple that would elevate in surface, but would kind of fill to change the surface and then form itself into a rectilinear shape. Or you would have a, a, a transformation of one card or one surface um, into a slightly different shape. And it wouldn't do that in, in the most straightforward linear fashion, but it would, it would kind of squish in and squash out. And that's when we started to get behind this idea of this, this material virtual paper metaphor. And that was that was the first kind of aesthetic stake in the ground, stylistic stake in the ground that 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 the team started to rally around and, and build everything else around. So um, I'm curious about that, Matthias. Um, it, I, I was there in uh, I think it was 2014 when this was unveiled. I was sitting in Google I/O. I saw the presentation about material. How has that gone compared to your expectations? You know, it's been just a little over a year now since it was unveiled, and you've started to see it, you know, roll out through Google products and third party you know, products as well. How, how do you feel it's gone? Ah, I mean, it's, it's been fantastic. It's, um, it's actually surprising to me how it seems to resonate with people, how uh, universally enthusiastic people about it, how even something that seems like a very intellectual concept like ma material has become kind of a brand that people adopt. <laughs> some podcasts even. Some, some of us have even <laughs> stolen that brand. <laughs> all super gratifying. Um, there's places that, that haven't gone the way we expected. I'm still, I think we as a whole team are still coming to realize that there's kind of a structural bias um, in the way that when we present material as a system, and that system has to be embodied with particular styles, because otherwise you just can't talk about it unless you actually render it with a particular set of styles, how people 
seem to just get locked into an understanding of like, oh, well, materials maybe can only be that particular set of styles or that particular set of colors or that particular brand, because I think structurally of, of how we, we bring it uh, to the world as part of Google. Um, and, and I think that's been a big learning for us, uh, or a big lesson for us, uh, to avoid the horrible corporate speak, um, over the last year. Um, and just realizing that, that maybe we need to do more than just talk about how material can be more flexible um, and we need to do more to show that and to showcase that and to maybe present the material spec in ways that, that help people understand kind of what are the, the critical underlying principles of material and what are the more um, aesthetic, stylistic, fashionable elements um, or brand elements that you should feel uh, more empowered and emboldened to play with. Hmm. Now, is there a type of device that you were you had in mind when you developed this? It, it seems like it's uh, you, you always see the notepads of designers with filled with sketch, sketches and the, their moleskines, but because movement is so important here, it seems as though you really did need to have a live uh, canvas to work on. And it seems as good as it works on Android Wear and as good as it works on phones and tablets. Was there like a reference home for this that helped you work out those ideas or was it really designed to be as flexible as possible? No, no. I think that's one of the things that was exciting about the project and, and part of the genesis of, of how it came as, uh, as a, a collection of these different teams that initially had these needs. I mean, if you recall back then two years ago, I was running the Android team at that time. Um, we were looking to kind of the next major refresh of Android. The search team was looking at... at, at reinvigorating and revisiting aspects of search kind of in a post uh, Kennedy world uh, Kennedy being the last major redesign of, of Google desktop stuff the Chrome team which also participated was um, or was was home to the to the uh, UXA team that was a big participant um, and contributor was was looking to um, have a design system for a whole bunch of uh, desktop apps um, and so right from the beginning, one of the things that was exciting was that we had all these constituencies that were representing a lot of these different form factors and had deep experience and investment in them. And so it just it just made being cross-platform the default. It wasn't it, it couldn't be an afterthought. Um, and I think that's part of why it was successful. Yeah. What was that uh, moment like, like the, of getting the team together to create material design? Did you knew what you wanted to achieve at that moment or what was like the initial point of saying we need to build this? Well, it was actually, it was very, um, very exciting and kind of, uh, it, it kind of grew bigger and maybe even started to scare ourselves as, <laughs> as we started to, to grow this because we all had a, a sense that we could achieve something more by working together than, than what we could do just individually. But then the more times that we ran into problems that where we just continuously had this this situation where we'd run into a problem and we'd say like oh well you know we've actually tried that or we've gone and we've talked to that team and, and they would never consider that but what happened was when we were trying to address that same problem like like moving say where the compose action lives in in uh in in email if instead of approaching it as like oh well this design group or this sub-design system wants to do something better. When we came to these teams and we said, we're actually, we're doing this really big, ambitious thing, all of a sudden, doors became unlocked and people were excited and they were like, well, wait, actually, we can do even more ambitious things. <laughs> and so awesome. it was 
it was it was it was kind of a scary thing in in the sense that by being more audacious everybody like then said oh well we should be even more audacious and then <laughs> the park is rolling down the hill and you're actually fighting to pull it back instead of instead of pushing it forward and that was really exciting um and slightly I terrifying i don't even know how we would design a banana shaped computer but okay we're we're glad you're prototyping <laughs> things <laughs> So that, that does lead into an interesting thing. You know, um, some people have this impression of Google from a, you know, quite a few years back that they would say that they're, I, I guess, a data-driven company more than a design-driven company. And I, I feel like that's changed a lot, you know, in the last sort of three or four years. Was that, do you, do you think that's a change that started earlier? And how has that sort of come about? Is that, is that a hard thing to, to, you know, turn around? Well, I think the characterization that I would give is is more like Google was traditionally very good at engineering and didn't understand uh, design. And this this transformation that has happened, I think it has been a long time building. It's somewhere between four and five years. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's a it's a it's a transformation of making Google a design driven company. I would say it's it's a transformation. You know, there are companies that are driven by design and, and companies that are driven by by marketing and companies that are re- really driven by business. I think Google is always going to be a company that is driven by technology and by the potential of the technology. Um, what's changed is that Google has started to understand how design is essential to bringing that technology and all that innovation and uh, creativity and power that is unlocked there um, and making it actually accessible and usable in products that are solving real needs and that are really connecting in an emotional way to people. Um, and it's not, it's not really a change of the fundamental nature that the engine that drives or differentiates Google. I think it's an expansion of how Google is, is matured and almost absorbing um, new capabilities, new superpowers, if you will, into, into its character. And that transition of, of learning how to do design and how to get to work with design um, uh, has, been, has been a long one, um, is an ongoing one. And it's a really exciting one to be a part of. I mean, when I first joined Google, um, my job was just to work on Android at a time when Android was really just phones and just starting to do tablets. And I remember thinking, uh, being so excited on my first day at Google, that um, the opportunity in Android was so huge, but the potential of being at Google just kind of made you fantasize that maybe someday you could maybe take part in in helping Google as a whole with some of these problems. <laughs> and yeah, it turned out we got to do that. <laughs> you got to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it, really, it really does seem as though um, uh, there's an era of development at Android where you're getting everything wired from going from zero, getting everything wired up, turning it into a real world class system. And then there seemed to be, now we can make uh, a user, a user experience that is totally different and, and, and totally unique. Um, but your Android, uh, Google and Android are in a interesting position because you've only recently started designing and manufacturing your own hardware. So you're designing the UI but not necessarily controlling the hardware that it's going to be shipping on, and there's, there must be a big advantage to doing that. Is that in any way a limitation that you're sort of proposing this stuff but knowing that uh, it might be 
translate it into a different shaped device that doesn't have this sort of CPU horsepower for these transitions, or maybe even uh, a user might replace this really wonderful launcher with something that's <laughs> their own. Does, does that put any limitations on your on your design uh, creativity? Sure, um, but I think that's a that's a that's the same limitation that you have with um, with with trying to do a design system in general. Um, I guess it's it's this is this is the this is what I consider like like design without the training wheels on, right? Where you're trying to design a system where you're going to have the system has to be robust enough and has to have enough integrity and has to be able to consider um, other active participants. Right. And so you're no longer in control of every piece and you have to be able to influence and um, uh, rather than dictate. And you have to be able to lead by example um, and and help people get to places rather than than force people get to places. And you have to consider things that you might not even want to consider that you just think, oh, my gosh, it'd be so much easier if I didn't have to worry about this set of problems. Like we could we could nail a solution to this design problem in half the time if we didn't have to worry about that. Um, I remember in contrast, um, you know, having worked right before Google, I worked at, at Palm on, on WebOS. And I got to stop you, stop you there right now. I have a lot of a lot of people I know that are fans of <laughs> of WebOS to this day. They're like, oh, I wish I had WebOS <laughs> on more devices. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, the, I I still remain a fan of WebOS, and 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 you still run into those fans. I'm very proud of the work that that we did there. Um, and but some of the things that we were able to do, it was um, it was great. Like we moved very quickly. Like just as a simple, almost trivial example, we didn't have to do a software keyboard because we had a hardware keyboard. And that made the question of, of text input um, much simpler. Um, it would have also been simpler if in Android we only had to accommodate software keyboards, right? Um, but we had to be mindful of the fact that both of these things existed and we need to create text input systems for both of those things. And so that that just really forces you to think about design as a system and not design as an artifact. And I think working on a platform, even a single hardware platform like WebOS first and then later Android, which is a multiple hardware platform, but still essentially a platform, um, was really essential to, to, to understand how to design a system that was able to make something like material design successful because that is, that is a meta system now. It's a system which has a system in Android, and it has a system on the web, and it has a system, you know, in our apps on, on iOS, and and a system in, in many other places as well. But there is a, a higher level system on top of that as well, and uh, it's uh, I don't know. I find it really fun. I find it really challenging. I find it um, really interesting. Um, you get a different kind of thrill by you know effectively it's like designing the lego pieces but you never actually build anything with them um <laughs> and that's okay i'm i'm just kind of i'm, I'm kind of happy to come up with with the lego pieces yeah i have a question on on that front so obviously you go out and buy, you buy a set of lego it comes with instructions and you know it's one two three four and you put it together um that's one thing that impressed me about you know the material spec there was an actual you know document that came out there was a series of you know web pages and things like how hard is it to put something like that together when you know that people like me, you know, developers are going to be sitting down just analyzing every single, you know, word and animation that's that's there on the screen? Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's part of, of designing a system is that you can't just like create it in your head or just for yourselves internally. You have to then actually make that system usable. 
right? And so you have this whole educational element to it, right? And it's not just just basic education like the spec itself. It's ongoing education. It's outreach. It's it's collaboration and review with third parties. It's it's uh, evangelism into various communities, which is why we host conferences like SPAN, which we just finished in London and New York. Um, so part of making a system, a design system that's actually going to be effective and going to be, I don't know, used <laughs> is more than just this conceptual system. It's all of the things around it. It is the spec and how you write it. And, and of course, I mean, this is a hugely complicated endeavor that takes, you know, the, dozens of people, um, all of with different skill sets and many different moving parts and many different things that are moving at different versions. Um, and it's exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting challenge because ultimately the thing that you're making is all of those things together. Okay. I have to ask though, bring up Lego. Did you play with Legos as a kid? I, I, I need to know what sort of projects as a, <laughs> a, a kid who grows up to be an important designer, what, what did you create? Yeah. Oh no, of course. I loved, I loved Lego <clears throat> as a kid. Yeah. I remember, um, uh, <laughs> uh, playing with, with, with Lego as a kid with my father in, in Brasilia. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you kind of create self-imposed constraints or limitations. And so I'd build all my, all my, all my airplanes and spaceships and things had to be of a single color block so they could camouflage on top of <laughs> the furniture in the house. Um, and then of course, like my parents would sit on one, that would be not so good. <laughs> <laughs> No, no design, no design, no design survives contact with the enemy. That was a very important first lesson. Yes, real, real, real user, your your first real user interface. <laughs> As a parent of a small child, I know what it, the pain of stepping on a Lego or sitting on one you don't see. <laughs> yes, yeah, so now, yeah, now it's flipped around. Now I have children my, of my own, and I've, I've I've encountered that. But um, but hopefully my interfaces have become progressively less painful <laughs> over the years. <laughs> So, Matthias, uh, we see you posting a lot of stories that are elevating the voices of women and other groups whose voices are often overlooked. Uh, where does your passion to elevate those voices stem from? What role do you see yourself in Google in advocating for diversity in tech? Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, I think it, it comes from a couple of places. First off, I, I really actually want to thank Google for being an environment um, where things like that are valued. Um, and that kind of is, is something that helps you be aware of it and to, you know, just, just appreciate the fact that it might be important. Um, so that was one of the, one of the contributing elements. Um, I think another element is just honestly, um, when you have, uh, children of your own and you start thinking about what kind of world do I want my children to live in? Um, things that you maybe take for granted or you don't uh, inspect as much as you would otherwise, you, you, you really start to, to think about. Um, and, and you think about it um, on, on all sides, like what, what kind of impact does this, this type of, of world or these types of defaults of gender or race or, or privilege have, um, you know, for, for all your children and, 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 and you know, what, whatever little bit you can do, um, you're, you're motivated to do so. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have some kind of, uh, of audience because of my uh, professional work that I very selfishly decided to uh, co-opt um, uh, for this other work. Um, but I do think 
I do think it's important. Um, and, and the more that I can do to, to amplify some of these concerns or some of these voices, you know, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And definitely as a, being a Latina and woman in tech, um, I do take notice. So thank you for doing that, Matias. Oh, you're welcome. Um, help me, help me know how I can, I can do more or do better. Um, I, I have to say, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's very interesting, you know, coming as an immigrant to the United States, I think was a really interesting way for me to be aware of some of the, the, the systemic natures of, of uh, unconscious bias or, or invisible privilege that you have. Because I was in a situation as, a, as an immigrant male where there's certain things that you feel very acutely um, uh, of not being part of the, the privileged group or part of the default or part of the, the, uh, the, the, the norm that's accepted. Um, and yet other things that uh, you, you sit on the other side of. Um, and so you just, you, just, you just blithely move along, you know, taking, taking advantage of that. Um, and then when I started to become aware of those things that I was um, simply um, oblivious to, um, I could really empathize with them because I'd had some of those experiences on the flip side. Um, and uh, I think it's important to, to do what, whatever we can about it. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I'd say to anyone out there who's not following Matthias on uh, Twitter or Google+, Plus, you should. You get some, some good value out of uh, both those accounts. So I have to um, ask you a question that we ask all our Google guests, Matthias, is do you have any memories of, you know, the first day or the first week that you stepped onto the Google campus, you know, transitioning from your previous job to working at, at the Plex? You know, what, what was that like? Have you got any inter- interesting stories about that time? Well, I think I told you my most interesting story already. <laughs> that was very genuinely a, 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 a thought in a moment that I had that first day at Google was, was thinking, wow, you know, I'm, I'm so excited and lucky to be here. Um, and excited about this job, but because I'm connected to the larger thing, you know, it's like maybe wouldn't it be nice someday? Oh, that's kind of interesting. You were, you were dreaming of uh, becoming vice president of design even then. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> really ambitious. Um, I won't deny that, but uh, but it was it was really more of a of an idle speculation of of isn't it cool that I'm here? Couldn't I do? You know, I wonder what what, what this will turn into. Yeah. That, that it must it must be wonderful to work for any organization where you feel as though whatever my goals and ambitions are for my own personal career, my creativity, I feel as though I can find a place to make use of those ideas here. Yeah, yeah, no, that is one of the things that is just awesome and, and hard to explain about Google to other people is is how much it is um, it has an environment uh, of creativity. Um, and I don't mean just creativity in terms of aesthetic exploration, but, but the sense of um, it's, it's very empowering and supportive of people who want to do new things, try new things, change things. And it's, it is truly part of the culture that I think Larry and Sergey inculcated from the very beginning and have successfully nurtured throughout the years. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love so much about Google is that you are in so many different areas and like industry levels. And it's just like, if you have an idea, let's let's make it work. Let's think about it. Let's explore that. And I think that's the, the creativity and fun that comes from Google. And it's one of my favorite things about the company. If you don't know Matthias, Yasmin is a massive fan, probably probably the biggest one on, on our show like by far. And we're, we're Google fans as well, but Yasmin's at another level. 
I think my daughter's a bigger fan than I am, but hey, I, I actually got that from me. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I, I will say it's really interesting because, um, you know, I am, I'm a huge Google fan being a part of the company, and yet it's one of the exciting things about working here that, that being a Google fan and being a part of the company um, doesn't preclude you from also thinking critically about the company and, 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 and how it can change and how it can do better and, and how not everything that we do is, you know, rah, rah, perfect all the time. Um, and so I find myself actually sometimes with my family, I'm like, you guys are, are too much of Google fans. Like, <laughs> 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 a little bit. Um, but that is, that is, I think, a genuine reflection of something that I do wholeheartedly embrace about Google's values, this idea that it isn't about kind of a, a, a blind um, uh, fealty to the values, but it is, it is a, a sense of community that has these shared values and that we are, we are genuinely willing to inspect ourselves and try to do better and, and own up to our mistakes. Uh, or even just try to do better in the case where there aren't mistakes, right? I, I think that's you know the story of how Google came to recognize that that design was essential to bringing technology to people and went about you know seriously transforming itself into accepting that uh, is 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 one of many many examples that you'll find all throughout this company uh, about how we do that. Um, and you know, and it's exciting that uh, you know we. You know, we we consider that to be such a good thing that we 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 try to export it, right? It's like this shouldn't be just a Google thing or a, a Google point of view, right? We 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 share thoughts about how we work. Uh, we write books about how we work and 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 our philosophy and our and our and our processes because um, you know we we genuinely feel like like this is a this is a good thing that that lots of people should be able to participate in. So you turn yourselves into Johnny Google seeds. Kind of, yeah. I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, it is part of is part of, of of what happens as you as you um, as you grow and you mature um, and you take on bigger projects and and you work with larger teams and uh, you you learn that the investing in your people and your process and your culture and your team is as much a product that you are making and that you're crafting and that you're making decisions about um, that you should be proud of as anything that you are producing. Right. Um, it's no good to, to, to pump out gold bricks if, if you're, you know, crushing the souls of uh, tiny unicorns in the process. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That was a weird metaphor. But... Thank, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you it. for designing our next T-shirt. Matthias. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know that we, your, your time is short. And so we have a, one last question for you. We want to thank you for coming on. Uh, but so we, in one of our previous episodes, talked about the movie, The Internship, which takes place of uh, the journey of two interns coming into <laughs> Google. Such, such which, a great, great movie. Such a, oh, no. Uh, don't get us. Yeah, don't, don't, a uh, don't get us. A new modern classic. Say, I, I was, yeah, the, I so was you, the one who forced those two to do that show. So. <laughs> yes, Andy forced us to watch it, and we did, <laughs> and we talked about it for an hour and 30 minutes. But one of the questions they had is uh, during the interview process, they had a question for all the people that were interviewing. And so we'd like to ask you that question. And the question is, 
If you're reduced to the size of a coin and put into a blender, what would you do? What would you do, Matthias? <laughs> oh, my what goodness. Would I, would, I would really have to ask about the psychology of the people who would come up with that question and, <laughs> and wonder what horrible, horrible things happened to them in their childhood that they would <laughs> impose such a question on people. Maybe, maybe one of their parents was too, was, was too heavily into margaritas on, on, at school days. <laughs> the blender is a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Matthias, uh, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, so thank you so much for joining yes. us. That was, uh, we had a yes, lot of thank fun. You. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. you for having me again. Uh, it was great to, to meet you all and talk Absolutely. to you all. Yeah, likewise. And do you have um, anywhere you'd like to send people? You know, is there something you'd like them to, to read to find out more about you or more about what you do at Google? Oh, well, what you should do is not find out about me, but you should come find out about all the work great design work that Google is doing and go to uh, design.google.com. Design.google.com. Excellent. Thank you, Matthias. And we want to thank everyone for listening to this special episode of Material. Andy, where can people find you? As always, uh, if you can spell my last name, you can access my blog at anatco.com. You can also access my Twitter feed at, I'm where I am at anatco. Uh, if you can't spell either, try cwob.com. That stands for Celestial Waste of Bandwidth, and that contains links to that sort of stuff. <laughs> and Russell, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Rusty Shelf. They can also find my blog at RustyShelf.org where they'll be disappointed to learn that I have, I've been busy. I haven't written anything in probably at least three months. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> and the best way to find me is on Twitter at, at Yasmin Evian. And you can find us at, at Material Podcast on Twitter. You can send us uh, some feedback at materialpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. And we want to thank you, Dropbox, for supporting conversations about design. Until next time, stay in material. Okay, so that's how you were going to play it. All right. Coming on. Okay, cool. (laughs) Oh, that's how you're going to play it. Oh, fine. I think we're learning a lot of stuff about Russell today. First with that passive-aggressive T-shirt he chose to wear. You couldn't wear your Google T-shirt, Russell? Come on. It's too small. Too bad your plan to have Matthias only see you and not the two of us was foiled by the superior intellect at Google headquarters.